We're going to call our first lady to the platform to bring forth the word of God this evening. You may be seated. God bless you all. Thank you all for being with us this evening. Um, before I get into, you may be seated. Before I get into our lesson tonight, I want to readdress two things from last week. One, I want to readdress um, Sister Kiesha's question about the emerald, the, the Levi tribe being green on the breastplate. After I thought about it and, and researched it a little bit, um, you can parallel that with what we saw, with what John saw at the altar, because he saw um, 24 elders, if you recall, right, around the altar. And so the uh, Levi, the Levitical priesthood, comes out of the tribe, out of that tribe. So that would make sense that John was seeing not only, um, he was not only the first and the last, which represents Jesus Christ on the throne, but around the throne, the emerald, right, which would represent new growth, born-again believers, and the, the priesthood. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that to your attention. And also... I wanted to make sure that you understand when I'm talking about what I think the rapture takes place is as is at this point in Scripture. In, in the book of Revelation chapter 4, in this part of Scripture, I believe at that time the rapture has taken place. Obviously, it has not taken place literally yet because we are still in the church age, right? So as long as the church age is in existence, then the rapture has not yet taken place. So I just want to make sure that everybody understood that I didn't mean like the rapture had literally taken place. But in this part of scripture that we're in, chapter 4, at this point, I believe the rapture has taken place because the church is no longer there. So we are now viewing heaven's view and what John sees in heaven. In chapters 4 and 5, we continue with heaven's view. Okay, so this is what's going on in heaven after the rapture. This is what John is seeing in heaven. All right, so we, are, we ended on Revelation chapter 4, verse 6. So we're going to start there. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. John said, and before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Crystal is a stone of a flint order, the most refined kind of quartz. Flint is hard. It is a hard, tough chemical of biochemical sedimentary rock that breaks with a smooth fracture. It is a form of microcrystalline quartz, pure quartz, traditionally called rock crystal or clear quartz. It is colorless and transparent or translucent, much like glass. From my study, I have concluded that this is symbolic of the glory of God. This is what John is seeing here, the glory of God. Ezekiel's first vision describes the glory of God glowing as a fire and in the appearance of a sapphire stone and the likeness of a man seated on the throne, which is Jesus Christ, and the brightness round about 
was like the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel 1, 25 through 28. Thank you to my readers. Sister Keasia, would you start us off? And there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads when they stood and had let their let down their wings. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it, above upon it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins, even upward, and from the appearance of his loins, even downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about, as the appearance of the, ba- <coughs> of the bow that is in the cloud in the, day of, in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spoke. Okay, so here we see Ezekiel's vision. Ezekiel describes the throne of God as a bow that appeared with colors of amber and fire. And the brightness, and that was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. Very similar to what John's description was. So therefore, I think what he is seeing and relaying to us here is that he is seeing the glory of God. No man has seen the glory of God, but when we get to heaven, we will see the glory of God. John goes on to tell us that round about the throne were four beasts. Often in scripture, the word beast will be used as a symbol of a kingdom. Many times throughout scripture, when you hear the word beast, and later on as we get further into Revelation, the beasts will represent kingdoms. But at this point is not what they're using in this scripture text. All right, however, in this scripture, the word for beast in the Strong's is G2226, which is Zoan, meaning a living being. So we are seeing these living beings here round about the throne. So they do not represent kingdoms. So these beasts represent a living spiritual being as opposed to a kingdom. John goes on to describe that the four beasts full of eyes before and behind. John does not know what to call them. He just knows that they are living beings and that they are in the midst of the throne and are round about the throne of God. All right, Revelations 4 and 7. The first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Now remember, John is seeing this vision in heaven, okay? He's in heaven, and he's seeing this take place. Many scholars compare this text to Ezekiel's vision, and there are many similarities. I'm not 100% sure exactly what these beasts represent, even after much scripture research and and consulting several Bible commentaries, I can only come to an imperfect general understanding. I know they are living creatures. John's description of them seems to be the same of those described by the prophet Ezekiel as he saw them surrounding the mobile throne of God in Ezekiel 1, 5 through 14. Sister Paulette, do we have that one up? 
sorry. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. And everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward. And for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion and the right side. And they four had the face of an ox and the left side. And the four also had the face of an eagle. And they went, everyone straight forward, whither the spirit was to go. They went, and they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, and like the appearance of lamps, it went up and down among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flashing of light. Flash of light. Okay, so we see the similarities there. They mentioned that he, in Ezekiel, they mentioned the same uh, four likenesses that John is seeing here in what he's describing here. So we see that they are very similar. The creatures accompanied the Lord as he took Ezekiel on an investigative tour of God's people and what would befall them. So these living beings will open the judgments that will befall the ungodly. Same type of thing. The verbiage used in verse 6 will describe them as being full of eyes. And this indicates these creatures are involved in judgment. Judgment is your fill-in. In Ezekiel, he identifies them as cherubims, a category of angels, Ezekiel 10 and 20. This is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel by the river of Chebar, and I knew that they were the cherubims. So he's describing them as what they are. He's calling them cherubims. The living creatures appear repeatedly in the book of Revelation, and the context always has to do with judgment. Jewish tradition holds that the faces of these four creatures were the same of those on the standard the flags of the tribes of the four leaders of the tribes of Israel as they camped around the sanctuary in the wilderness as recorded in Numbers 2. As each tribe encamped around the tabernacle, each one on the north, the south, the east, and the west. On the east were the tribes of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon. Under the standard of Judah, a lion. That was one of the ones that John saw. On the south, Reuben, under Reuben, Simon, and Gad, under the banner of Reuben, a man. On the west was Ephraim, under Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, under the standard of Ephraim, an ox. And on the north, Dan, under the standard of Dan, Asher, and Naphtali, under the standard of Dan, an eagle. Below is a picture of those banners. 
I think I have them up here. So you see the eagle, the man, the ox, and the lion, which is exactly what John is seeing here in heaven, all right? The positions of those four banners would have been placed around the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God in the, under the law, right? Exactly as John sees them here at the throne. Also, the dwelling place of God. So what you're seeing is a type and shadow here. So if you look up here, this would be the dwelling place of God, the eagle, the ox, the man, and the lion, which are around the throne, which is exactly what John described as he saw it. After an in-depth study of the scripture, I have concluded that these four beasts are angelic beings. So they are angels. I can't say they're cherubims. I'm not. They're just angelic beings. And their role appears to be a representative and guardian of the holiness of the universe. And therefore, they release God's judgment on the earth for the lack thereof. So they are going to be releasing these judgments. Revelation 4 and 8. And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. In this verse, we are told that the four beasts have each six wings. Isaiah saw a similar vision in the year of King U when King Uzziah died. Isaiah 6, 2 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, also, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one has six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. These beasts rest not from worship. That word rest is anaposis and means not the rest of inactivity, but of harmonious working of the faculties and affections, the will, the heart, and the imagination, and the conscience, etc., will not cease from the worship of God. They worship saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. This passage is known in Judaism as the Kadesha and is part of the third paragraphs, pa paragraph of the Amidah, which is known as the standing prayer and is the heart of Jewish worship. They cease not from worship. The phrase who was and is to come is an explanation of the divine name of God. The Aramaic Peshitta of the New Testament directly translate that the Hebrew Aheya Asher, meaning I am that I am. The name God gave Moses to tell the children of Israel who was sending him to them, the great I am, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
Revelation 4, 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. That's pretty self-explanatory. They give glory and honor and thanks to him that sits on the throne who lives forever. Revelation 4 and 10. And the four and 20 elders. Does anybody remember who the four and 20 elders are? Pop quiz. Yes, thank you. Very good, very good. Tyler said that four and twenty elders would be the representation of the the twelve tribes of Israel and the twelve apostles, which represents the church in its totality. Okay, all those that were saved under the law and all those that were saved by faith through Jesus Christ. Those are the four and twenty elders. Those are the ones that are seen around the throne. All right, the four and twenty elders fall down before him. And him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying now the now the church came to worship the Lord. It is the angelic beings that start the worship and now the church follows and falls down before the Lord to worship him. They cast their crowns before the throne. As you may recall in Revelation 2.10, Jesus said that he would give crowns to those that are faithful. Jesus promised various rewards for those faithful, faith, who faithfully serve him on earth as well. We can find a few of those scriptures in Revelation 22.12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Some of those rewards are crowns. James 1 and 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. 1 Peter 5 and 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Amen. In their action of casting their crowns before the Lord, they are reverencing the Lord and acknowledging that despite what they may have done on earth to earn these crowns. Only Jesus is truly worthy of glory and honor because without these crowns, because without him, these crowns would have been impossible, impossible to achieve. We are only saved by Jesus Christ. In the presence of the Lord Jesus himself, all good deeds will have been done let me restart over. In the presence of the Lord Jesus himself, all the good deeds we have done will be pale in comparison. A crown will seem but an insignificant gift to present to the one who gave his life for us. John ten fifteen, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. 1 Timothy 2 and 6. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time? Revelation 4 and 11. It's the last verse. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. No other is worthy. For he created all things. Without him nothing was made. The repetition and the varied statement here are designed to express the truth with emphasis so that there could not be the possibility of a mistake or a miscomprehension of who Jesus was. 
and who was sitting on the throne. Through his creation, we should know him as God for his glory, for such purposes as he designed, as he designed. This is a reference to himself in the work of creation, his creation. And we can find that also in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Amen. Now, I didn't bring five because I, I guess I thought this was going to take longer than 20 minutes, but it didn't. So um, any questions? Any, any questions? Nope. Okay. So there, but the, the, that would be talking about kingdoms, which comes later on into the scripture. In this particular verse, the, the, the word used here is not for kingdoms, but for living beings. That's why we know that these are not kingdoms that, that we're seeing in heaven, but we're actually seeing living beings in heaven surrounding the throne of God. Does that make sense to everyone? Yes? Okay. Uh, did you find your question, Brother Aaron? Okay. I have, I have, I have a quick question. Um, so, I guess, um, so, the four beasts that um, are pretty much the, the beasts of judgment, I believe you said. Um, so, I didn't, I didn't realize that those were in the, because when you said beasts, I was thinking about the, like, the bear with the rib in his mouth mm -hmm. and stuff. I, I can't remember if that's in Isaiah or if it's also in Revelations. But, um, Daniel. yeah, Daniel, that's what it is. Um, but I guess I was wondering if that's kind of like, um, I don't want to say a parallel because I don't imagine the, because by my understanding, I believe that the other beasts are like a timeline, um, while these ones, as you said, are ones of judgment. I guess I'm just like, um, I think I accidentally answered my own question. <laughs> I'm sorry. But he found his question, I think. So, Oh, no, he didn't. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to share with you... Um, 
just kind of a type and shadow of, of another reason why I think that um, the rapture takes place here in chapter 4. So we know that Jesus came from Na Nazareth, but he was a Galilean, right? We all know that he was a Galilean. So if you're, when you go back and um, it's been a while since I've read about the Galilean wedding, so I'm going to do my best to remember and, and bring to memory what it's, a, how it works. But um, you know that we are the bride of Christ, right? So, and, and of course, Christ is our groom. So in a gal, and he was, he was Galilean. So in a Galilean wedding, which, which he would have grown up there, when in the wedding of a Galilean wedding, what happens is the bride is betrothed to the groom, right? And so what happens is the groom has to pay a price for his bride. He has to um, pay a dowry for the bride, just like Jesus paid a dowry for us. He died on the cross for us. So in the Galilean wedding, the um, groom pays a dowry for the bride, and then they're betrothed for a period of time. So they're operating, and, they're, and the bride is, is going about her business, and she's making sure that her lamps are full, and she's tending to her home, and she's um, carrying on occupying until her bridegroom comes. And in this time, during this time, the, the, the groom goes back to the father's house, right? Sounds a lot like what the Lord did. He came, he died on the cross for us, right? He paid the price for us. So he paid the dowry for his bride, which is who we are. And then he was resurrected back up into glory, right? So he's back up in heaven. So the groom goes back to his father's house and literally he goes back to the father's house until the father says, it's time for you to go get your bride. Okay, so it, during this time, the bride is, she's operating, she's working, she's tending, she's taking care of her, trimming her wicks, and she's filling her lamps and making sure she's full of oil, which is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be operating, we're supposed to be witnessing, we're supposed to be renewing ourselves in the spirit, making sure that our lamps are full and that we're ready when the Lord comes, right? So occupy till he comes, the Bible says. Well, that's what the bride did in, in a Galilean wedding. So when the, when the father says it's time, oh, in the meantime, while the, the, the groom is back at the father's house, he's building another room off of the father's house for his bride. All right. And the Lord said, I go to prepare a place for you, right? And he's going to build a mansion up there for us. And he's got this place prepared for us. Do you see the similarities? The type and shadowing that's going on here. Okay, so now when the father says, it's time, go get your bride, right? Then a trumpet sounds. They blow that, I can't remember the name of it. What is it called? The, there you go. Thank you. They blow the, they blow the shofar. And um, they know, oh, it's time for the bridegroom's coming. He's coming for his bride. So at that time, all the men come out, and they go to the bride's house, and hopefully she's heard the trumpet, and she's ready. Hopefully she's prepared herself for her groom during this time while she was waiting for him to come. Hopefully she's prepared herself for him. And so they go and they get the bride. Now, what happens is she comes out, the, in the literal, she comes out, and the men, she gets on this, like, um, type of 
carrying, I don't know what you call it, and they, they lift her up. Okay, thank you. Boy, she's good. <laughs> Called a litter, a litter. She gets on there, and then all the, these men pick her up, right? So they pick her up. The, bride, the groom isn't coming down to her, but they're picking her up to the groom, just like the rapture. We, he comes, he blows the, when the trumpet sounds, he comes, but he doesn't come all the way down. We are caught up to him, okay? So again, more types and shadows here. Then they go back to, uh, to, this, to the house for a time of celebration for seven days, okay? So that is the same as seven years of tribulation, so another parallel. So they go back to this seven days of celebration. They go behind this door and they celebrate for seven days. And they don't come back out until after this seven-day period, at which time then they consummate their, their uh, union. So very, very similar to what's going to take place with the rapture. Another reason why I think the rapture has taken place in chapter 4 um, because of the similarities there and the fact that the church is gone. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, we're getting out early tonight. So uh, if you'll stand, we'll dismiss in Jesus' name. And then we'll start chapter 5, which is still the view of heaven, um, until we get into chapter 6, when the Antichrist comes on the scene. And, and pardon the language, but all hell starts to break loose at that point. Sir. Brother Gary, for his procedure tomorrow. I thought it was tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. It's Friday? Okay, it's Friday. We're all confused. I don't have my, I don't get the calls anymore, so. Okay. Yes, something's wrong with my phone. I stopped getting calls. Um, all right, so we'll pray for Brother Gary. Any other prayer requests? All right, so we'll dismiss. Yes, Arthur, the little boy that Sister Teresa requested prayer for, Sister Marlena. Okay, we'll pray for Pat Bell. Anyone else? All right, if you'll stand, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your grace, your mercy, your love. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in, in Grace Gospel. And we ask that you continue to bless, continue, Lord Jesus, to open the doors for us, Lord, that we may reach souls before your coming, Lord Jesus. God, we pray for Brother Gary this evening, Lord, that you would watch over him, keep him for this procedure, Lord. We know that we're praying for a good report, Lord Jesus. We're praying for your mercies and that you have it covered in the name of Jesus. We plead your blood upon this situation. God, we pray for Arthur, Sister Teresa's request for this little boy that has sores on his body. God, we pray that you would touch and that he be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for you are our healer, Lord. And we pray for Sister Marlena's aunt, Miss Bell, Lord God, that you would touch, deliver her, heal her from this cancer in the name of Jesus. 
In Jesus' name. And we thank you, mighty God, for you alone are worthy of all praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Go with us as we leave this place this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.